Good morning, church family. I pray that you're doing good today. We're going to be in the book of Genesis uh, today, so if you want to go ahead and turn over there in the first book of the Bible, that would be great. Turn over to chapter 39, because that's where we're going to be in just a few minutes. But uh, listen, I know, uh, thank you, Roth and uh, Sabine, for, for leading us in a time of prayer as we uh, begin our time in the Word. But before we get started today, I want to take you guys back to the video. Listen, it's going to be a great time as we gather around campuses here in Lake and Sumter County and even beyond that to pray for our students as they go back to school, to pray for our teachers, our staff. Um, our goal, and it looks like we're really close, is to being on every campus in Lake and Sumter County. And we want to encourage you guys to be a part of that time next week. Uh, we'll be giving you more details, but you just make plans now to attend a campus that's close to you or a campus that you have ties to, either you work on or you have kids that go there. Uh, there will be outside these prayer gatherings that are going on. We have area coordinators and we have school coordinators, and we would love for you to be a part of that time. We'll be hearing more about that again throughout the week. Uh, you can go on the Facebook page. You can pick this up off the website at schoolprayer.info, and you can help share that. Uh, but we want to saturate our schools, not only here in our area, but we're praying that we'll saturate our schools around our nation and world as we begin to go back to school. Um, listen, I... I, uh, I am very aware that um, not every person that's listening to us online has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm very aware of that. But for whatever the reason that you have chosen um, to tune in and to be a part of our time today, we're very thankful, uh, very thankful that you've, you've spent some time or spending time. Some of you are in homes, you're gathered with not only by yourself or maybe your family, but some of you have chosen to gather with others and to, and to sit down and be a part of our worship service. Um, we're very thankful, and we don't want to waste your time, but I pray that, man, the Holy Spirit will take the word, the music that's sung, the things that are spoken, uh, his word specifically, and, and your hearts would be touched and you would be propelled to not just um, call yourself a believer, but, but you would be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And um, we, we had just previous to this series, we had walked through the book of Galatians and we heard about the importance it was of, of the gospel itself. Um, and we also heard Paul talk an awful lot at the end of Galatians about the importance of living in practical application uh, in our Christian walk. And, and we sort of following this up with this series called, uh, Hey Siri, talking about some simple questions that, that Siri can't answer, but, but we better be making sure that we have the, uh, not only the ability to answer, but we're answering these questions, especially we're in the process of making decisions, because this is what I know, and you know this, regardless of what stage in life we find ourselves, every one of us are at a stage that we're having to make choices, some insignificant, some not so significant, but every one of those choices that we make, they have consequences consequences. And some of those are, like I said, maybe not that big a deal, but others are life altering. And so we've been asking, we started out last week um, asking some questions. We started with the first question last week. And that question was, and maybe you remember it, you can say it right there where you are. Am I being truthful? <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty tough question to ask yourself to begin with, because as we said last week, every one of us we read in Jeremiah, the hardest deceitful of all things, and it's really easy for us to talk ourselves into or out of just about anything. And, uh, 
And so up front, that question, I am being truthful, is really hard. And today, it's not going to be that hard of a question. It's not going to be as threatening or personally invasive. Um, but what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to find a, a place, a time that you're able just to pause and look ahead and think about what kind of legacy do you want to one day leave. Because the question that we're going to ask is today, what kind of story do I want to one day look back and be able to, to tell? So you want to write that down. Last week, one of our simple questions, what really was it that simple? Am I being truthful? This week, the question is, you know, looking back, what kind of story do I want to one day look back and, and tell? Um, you know, because looking ahead, we have to just understand and think about this for a second. One day, we're going to be sitting around and telling stories about the past. I mean, I think as I look in my life, I've got a lot of stories that I can tell. As a matter of fact, maybe one day I'll write a, a book called, Can I Tell You a Story? But this is what I know. Some of the stories that I might want to tell, I'm not really as eager to tell because some of them maybe don't have the best of, of endings. And some of those stories, I'm not really... I'm not uh, really encouraged by some of the decisions that I made. As a matter of fact, there are decisions that I have that uh, were pretty embarrassing at times. Some are good memories, some are not so good memories. Some are of accomplishments, others are stories of failure. Some are stories of joy, while others are stories of heartache. Some are from my childhood, some are from even the present day. Um, but this is what I know. The pages of my book are still being written, just as yours are. Um, but one day, one day, that book will be complete. And isn't it important for us to be able to think about those pages now as we're walking through life? But what if, what if, just, just what if, if we were to spend a little bit more time now thinking about the pages of our book and the stories that would one day be told instead of looking back one day with lots of regret and guilt. Let's just say that, let's say you're in a marriage, and let's just say that that marriage isn't going the best. Let's say that there's a lot of stress, and, and you're bringing that stress home from, from work, and when you get home, your spouse, spouse really doesn't understand. They can't really identify with where you are, and they have a hard time maybe listening because they just have a hard time grasping the difficulty of what's taking place. And regardless of how many times you've shared, they just seem to fall on deaf ears when you get home. But, but there's, a, there's a person at work of the opposite sex that always seems to be ready to listen, that always seems to have a listening ear, that's always there to, to, uh, to give time. And you know what? You enjoy spending that time, not only professionally, but now you're beginning to enjoy spending some time personally. See, when you got married, you understood till death do part, but all of a sudden it doesn't seem as realistic as it once did. Matter of fact, you're beginning to toy with the ideas of what life might be, be like if, if you were to, to walk away and to go in a different direction. You know, I mean, because anyway, God would forgive me, right? But on the other hand, let's, let's just say there's another scenario. There's a couple that's, again, walking through somewhat the same scene. And yet, um, instead of contemplating divorce, 
there's a decision to get honest. There's a decision to be honest about where they are and truthful and to, to ask themselves some very, very difficult questions. And in the midst of the conflict and the controversy, they're willing to trust God and to seek God for, for leadership. See, they, they made the same decision when they got married, the same commitment to one another, to death do part, and they, they, they took that commitment to heart. They held on to it. And they said up front, they made that decision up front that divorce would never be an option. And so in, instead of looking elsewhere for the grass which seems to be greener, let me always remind you, the grass always grows best over the top of a septic tank. And let me also remind you this, if there's somebody that'll cheat with you, they'll cheat on you. Boy, doesn't that stop an awful, that creates an awful lot of conversation. And so even though this young couple is afraid, they decide to seek counsel from an older couple that they know that are committed believers and they, they're seeking accountability and encouragement, spiritual guidance. And see, here's the thing. I think as we talk about this, the reality is that every one of us are going to one day have to look back. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to answer, talk about some difficult things and what may have been convenient back then, what may have been easy at the moment, what might have been supported and even encouraged by your friends, you only realize that it really wasn't the best of decisions. But, but, what, if, but what if we were to think about those things now? What, what if, if now, what if we were willing to ask ourselves the question, what kind of story do I want to one day look back and tell because if regardless if we like it or not every one of us are eventually going to tell a story see we can't go back and rewrite the past no we can't rewrite the past we can only tell the stories of the past sometimes we make up the past don't we sometimes we don't tell the truth about the past but 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 what we can decide to do is look at the past learn from the past and to decide that we're going to rewrite the future. We're going to rewrite the future. Because just like I told you, there are some parts of my story that I just don't really care too much about telling or when I'm sitting down with a group of people and we're laughing about certain things and we're talking about these certain things, there's certain, there's certain parts of my story that I just don't want to include because I'm not really that proud of them. And so... Let's pick this up today in the book of Genesis because this, this whole idea of what kind of story do I want to date one day tell, I think we can go back to the story that Allison shared a little bit about, a, little bit about, and a man by the name of Joseph in Genesis chapter 39, and that's where we're going to be at today. It's a story that we find a great illustration of what we're talking about, a story that revolves around a young man by the name of, of Joseph. This is a guy who had a whole bunch of of brothers. And at that moment in time, he was one of the youngest. He would have one other younger brother. But this young man, born when he was to his father at an old, older age, was a favored son. He was a son that was well liked by his dad, and, and everybody knew that. Now, I, I know that you probably never have this in your house as parents, but you never have any sibling rivalry going on where one child or uh, a, a child sort of gets the, the favor. 
in my house from time to time, they'll say, why is it that you always treat her different than you treat the rest of us? You know, you've never heard that before. And they'll say something like when they're upset or, you know, they're having a little tantrum. It used to be they would say things like, you like her more than the rest of us. And, I, and my response to that was, well, absolutely. I mean, she's the favorite. Don't you know that? And, um, but we, we laugh about that in our, in our family. But, but this really wasn't a laughing matter. I mean, these guys were pretty ticked. As a matter of fact, dad had sent him out. And he went looking for his brothers one day to have a conversation. And Allison told you he was around 17 years old. And uh, he, had, he had had all these dreams. And he, would, he had revealed these dreams to his brothers. And, man, they got mad at him. And then he talked to mom and dad about a dream that he had. And they said, are you really serious about this? And so they're pondering these things in their mind. And yet here's Joseph, the little dreamer, going about life. And dad had given him this really nice coat. And so he goes to look for his brothers. And when he... When his brothers see him coming, I mean, just the anger and the bitterness was just welled up within them. And they thought, what can we do to kill him? Their brother. I mean, they were so angry and they were so bitter and they were so jealous. They thought to themselves, what is it that we can do to kill him, to get rid of him? And so... What they ended up doing is they took his coat off of him and they ripped him up and ripped it up and they threw him down in this hole in this cistern where they had stored water. But there wasn't any, there wasn't any water in that cistern at that time. And, and so they were having this discussion about what do we do with him? Well, lo and behold, here comes some traders along, some Midianite traders, and they decided, hey, well, let's just not just get rid of him. Why don't we try to make a little cash? In the meantime, so we can solve both of our problems and end up on the positive side. And then they took his coat and, and they, they dipped it in blood. They killed a goat and they dipped it in blood because they had to have an excuse about what happened to this, this little brother of ours. So they took it back and you can imagine. Here they are, not only aiding and abetting to what was taking place, but now they're lying to dad. Joseph, after a series of events, ends up in Egypt as a slave, and he was purchased by a man by the name of Potiphar, who was a part of Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's guard. Matter of fact, he was captain of the guard. He became a slave, also finding himself now in the home of a wealthy Egyptian. And if there was anybody, you know this, if there was anybody that had an excuse to be angry, it was Joseph. If there was anybody that had an excuse to be bitter, it would have been Joseph. I mean, but as tough as it must have been, what he did is he continued to put his trust and his faith in God. He didn't walk around angry. No, he didn't do that at all. But he still continued to live as if God was with him and he trusted the Lord. Joseph being a trustworthy fellow, I mean, you heard it. You can read it there in the story. I mean, Potiphar saw it. I mean, he could see the difference in this young man. He knew that he, was, that he was very responsible. And he eventually found himself in the position of being over everything that Potiphar had. But life, as you know, it always brings its challenges, doesn't it? And as Joseph is doing as good as he would, all of a sudden he finds himself in a situation that regardless of what he did, it, it looked as if it was, it was helpless. And it was here at that moment that Joseph, what he does, he gives us a little bitty picture, a glimpse of the importance of what our question is today. 
You know, that question that we must be willing to ask ourselves. And so I want you to turn over to Genesis chapter 39, and let's pick this story up in Genesis chapter 39, verse 6. And let's just see what Moses penned here in these words. Look at what he says in Genesis chapter 39, verse 6. So Potiphar, he's talking about now the person that now is his, is his slave owner, that is his, his master. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything that he owned. And with Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing. Man, that's a great feeling. That's a great feeling that, that as, a, as a man, you, you, you know that you have somebody that's looking over what you have and is responsible and they're trustworthy. He said, except the kind of food to eat. So here he was, didn't have anything to worry about except the kind of food that he was going to eat. Joseph was handsome and he was a well-built young man. Um, I guess we could say he looks like Brian Williams. And so maybe that's a good, maybe that's a good analogy. Uh, and it says, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded, but Joseph refused. Now, we have to believe that Joseph is probably around the age of 20 at this time. And here is the boss's wife putting the move on him. I mean, it wasn't like it was just one-time passing thing, but it, it was this ongoing, listen, hey, baby, hey, good looking, what you got cooking, you know, that kind of a deal. And so you got this young man, and it, I mean, who in the world, would, who would have ever known? I mean, obviously, I mean, I, I don't think she would have told, um, but here's Joseph having to make some, some choices. Joseph is having to make some decisions. In a lot of ways, if you look at it, it was a no-win situation. I mean, because if he gave in, eventually the truth would be revealed. And if it wasn't be revealed, think about the guilt and the shame that he would carry around. And, and then again, if the truth did come out, I mean, I mean, you know, there you go, buddy. Bad decision. Cost you your life. And if he didn't sleep with her, Maybe she'd make up a story anyway and have him killed. I mean, I guess he could have ran, but then where, where in the world would he have run to? I mean, he was a in a foreign country anyway. Who else did he know? But eventually Joseph spoke out and he said, Look, your husband and your master has entrusted everything to me that has been included in his household. <laughs> and look at what Joseph said. He said, No one here in verse 9 has more authority than I do. And he's talking about Potiphar, his master, he said, he has held nothing back from me except for you because you are his wife. Now see, in this interaction, Joseph wasn't the only one that was making some choices, was he? Because she was too. And if truth be told, Joseph may not have been the first person that she'd made to move on. I'll show you that in just a minute. But I can imagine the tension and the stress that this young man is up underneath, knowing that whatever decision that he made, the results were probably not going to be good at all. And here he is contemplating his options and look at what, look at what was going on in Joseph's mind. Look at what he says, how could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. In other words, after taking in consideration my relationship with your husband, and the trust that he has in me and my relationship with God and the trust that I have in him, how in the world can I do what you're asking me to do? <laughs> wow. 
I mean, looking at the options that I have and the story that I want to one day look back and tell and be able to share, how in the world can I betray them? In verse 10, it said she, Potiphar's wife, the woman who had been pressing him, engaging him in these conversations and trying to get him to, to sleep with her, it said said she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and he kept her out and he kept her out of her way and he kept her, she, he kept her out of her way as much as possible. That's how the devil works, isn't it? I mean, it's not just a one-time passing, but this is, it's this ongoing thing. <clears throat> this ongoing pressure, this relentless pursuit to destroy. See, Satan just doesn't want to, and he just doesn't want to take you out. He wants to destroy you. It's what he wants to do. And here's Joseph going through the scenarios. Do I want to live the rest of my life with guilt? Do I want to live the rest of my life thinking that I might get caught? Do I, do I want to live the rest of my life knowing that I had disobeyed, knowing that I had hurt my master, not only my earthly master, but my heavenly master? Do I want to live the rest of my, my, my life moving in that direction, or do I want to choose to obey God and leave the consequences up to him? Well, the story wasn't over. <laughs> wasn't over at all because Joseph didn't respond to her continual advances. And eventually, she did it. She did, yeah. Um, she accused Joseph of doing something that he didn't do. Um, look at what it says in verse 17. Then she, told, then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave that you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me. Verse 18, but when I screamed, he ran outside leaving his cloak. Last week, last week we saw where the prophet Jeremiah in that book in Jeremiah 17, 9 made a declaration that the, the heart is deceitful. And wicked and boy isn't this a great example here it is she concocts this story accusing Joseph of something that, 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 he, that he didn't do this is interesting to me because man if I was Potiphar and I had the power of Potiphar that joker had been out of here but Potiphar didn't kill him he just put him in prison which tells me and leads to me believe maybe he had been through this before with somebody else so he puts, he puts Joseph in prison, and now while in prison, Joseph runs into some other guys that have been put in prison that all of a sudden were on the outs with Pharaoh himself, a baker and a, and a cupbearer. And these guys had some dreams, and they couldn't figure out it, so they, Joseph said, well, I can tell you what's going on. And he told them, he said, look, the cupbearer, your dream, eh, would end up pretty good. But for the baker, <laughs> you need to make some plans, bro. It ain't going to work out good. And Joseph said, look, he said, man, when that time comes and you get out, I just want you to remember me. Would you please just remember me? Let me tell you a little bit about my story. And so he tells him a little bit about his story, about what had happened. So a couple of years go by and Pharaoh has a dream and nobody can interpret the dream. And then there is this cupbearer that's reminded that Joseph had interpreted his dream and said let's go get this guy by the name of Joseph and you probably know Joseph interprets his dream and as a result 
Pharaoh ends up putting him in a position that was second in charge of all of Egypt because Pharaoh believed that Joseph was intelligent and wise and trustworthy. Second in charge from a slave to second in charge. And this new promotion would allow him the ability to make some decisions that would not only prolong, prolong um, and allow for many Egyptians' lives to be saved, but also would eventually save the life of his own family. And in the midst of this story, man, we see, we see, we see the application of God's power and God's sovereignty. But we also see the choices that Joseph made along the way. Because he would have been justified, wouldn't he? I mean, if you were sitting down in the midst of a conference, I mean, you would have said, you know what, it, it's all right for you to be bitter. I mean, it's, it's okay for you to be, I mean, I can see sitting in this, can you imagine this happened to me? Oh, man, I can't believe that happened to you. Well, listen, man, let me tell you what I'd do. We all have had those conversations along the way. I mean, it's easy for us to say, man, look, you could be mad. You could be angry. I mean, all this stuff has happened to you. You could be justified. Not only, not only justified, but to hurt people. Because isn't that what hurt people do is hurt people? But there was a greater story at play in the life of Joseph. Joseph was aware. He was aware of what was going on, but Joseph lived he lived because there was a legacy that he wanted to leave behind. There was a place that he was headed. And to this point, we've not talked an awful lot about Joseph's brothers, but think with me for a moment what they may have saw as they look back. Can you imagine some of the conversations that they have, maybe if you go back and trace some of their lineage, you can see some of the stories of things that happened in their lives. But can you imagine when they all got together for a family reunion and Joseph wasn't around and, and all of a sudden they, they start to have this conversation and, well, we had a younger brother. Yeah, none of us could really stand him. We were angry with him and jealous of him. Matter of fact, one day we saw him, we got so angry that we decided we were going to kill him, threw him in a pit. Yeah, get rid of him. We lied to dad. We lied to dad. We sold him to some traders. We told dad somebody killed him, but that's really not what happened, and we really don't know what happened to him. Hmm. You know, we gave him away for some cash, but the cash is gone. It was quickly gone, but now we're left. You know, I've been left with that guilt for all these years. It's with me every day. Can't seem to get rid of it. And then when I seem to get rid of it, I'm reminded of it, and when I'm reminded of it, just a lot of weight, a lot of shame. We broke dad's heart. It wasn't accidental. It was intentional. Mm. I was jealous. I was jealous of the way dad treated him. I was jealous that he didn't give me the coat, but he gave him the coat. We've never forgotten. Hey man, is your, is your kids ask you about Joseph lately? They're always asking me, dad, tell me the story of Joseph one more time. Tell me what happened to him. What kind of animal was it that, it, that, that ate him? Tell me how he died. See, the, the reality is our choices and those consequences stay with us the rest of our lives, don't they? 
Yeah. Write this down someplace. Because this is what I know, what feels good or seems logical at the moment. We will often find it's not right. It's not what's best. For 15 years, these brothers carried this lie around. For 15 years, they hid behind the guilt and the shame. But in God's sovereignty and his power, there was a famine. There was a famine, that would, and, and it, was, it was so bad that it went outside of Egypt into other lands, and it, would, it was so bad that many people lost their lives. But you know what happened in Egypt? Because Joseph was in a place of authority and because Joseph was a wise man, he had set aside those resources. And they were not only enough to take care of those in Egypt, but he was also able to take care of those in other places that would come asking for help. And in all the pain and in all the abuse that Joseph had endured, now this man was the one in charge. Hmm. His brothers would end up meeting him face to face because they would have to come to him. The brother that they had sold, the brother that they were so angry with, the brother that they were so bitter about, the brother that they were so jealous. Now this brother, over a period of events, series of events, scenes, and actions, ended up in a place of authority by the sovereignty of God. And you know, here's Joseph, he could, have, he could have said, it's payback time, I'm now in charge, and I haven't forgotten what you did. Joseph could have looked back, even in the midst of pain and suffering he endured, because of his brothers. But instead of saying he was angry, but instead of holding on to the bitterness and the jealousy, payback is mine, what did Joseph do? He chose to forgive Regardless of what he chose to do, his decision would be with him the rest of his life. And see, I'm telling you this story today because it's really important that you hear this. Because just like Joseph, every one of us are going to encounter situations every day that require us to make decisions. We just have to figure it out that one day we're going to be looking back. The question is what kind of story do we want to one day be able to? To tell and, and see, this is what I know. This question isn't far away for some of you because some of you today, this is up close and very, very personal. Because some of you guys that are listening to me today, some of you guys are at the place of making some very critical choices and decisions in your life. And right now, you need to hear this. I mean, this isn't about to brush your teeth or not to brush your teeth. I mean, this goes into an areas of divorce or broken relationships to forgive or not to forgive, business decisions to trust or not to trust. And you just need to be asking yourself the question. I mean, looking back, what kind of story do I want to one day be able to tell? Because if you're like me, like I've said, there's parts of my story looking back that I'm I don't like talking about. I don't even like thinking about decisions and times in my life where I, I just blew it. Um, and, you know, some of those stories just aren't of bad decisions. Some of them are stories of missed opportunities. Just missed opportunities. 
because I wasn't paying attention or I was too busy to hear, to hear God's voice. And as I remember and one day and I look back to tell a story, what kind of story do you want to one day tell? Do you want to tell the story about the subdivision that you lived in and the fact that you owned the biggest house? Do you want to talk about the position that you held? Um, do you want to talk about the fact your name is maybe on a street someplace or on a, on a building? Do you want to talk about your financial success? Do you want to talk about all the toys that you have? What kind of story do you want to one day tell? Because, see, I've known some pretty successful people over the years they really have a hard time looking back. They struggle to look back because it's too painful. And if they had an opportunity to have a do-over, how many of them would say, me, me? They would jump at the opportunity knowing, especially knowing what they know now. See, one day I want to be able to look back, look people in eye to eye, and be able to go back and tell parts of my story, not just parts, but I want to be able to go back and tell the whole story. You know, I want to be able to tell my children and my grandchildren and maybe one day great-great-grandchildren. Not just part of the truth, but the whole truth. Mm. And not be able to leave anything out. Every day we all have to make decisions. And with every one of those decisions, there are options. We just need to be asked, really willing to ask two questions. Now, two questions. First one, last week, you know, that really when it's really hard, am I willing to be truthful? Am I being, am I being truthful? Am I being honest? Completely truthful. Completely honest. And then the second question, looking back, looking ahead, one day I'm going to tell a story. The question being, what kind of story do I want to one day tell? Because in reality, there's going to come a time, just like in every one of our lives, when life is going to stop. And it's going to be over. And my question is, I wonder what story one day people might tell about you. Not just the story that you tell, but I wonder what day, what kind of story they may tell about you. I, Meredith and I... Caleb had the privilege of going to a, a funeral yesterday of a friend of ours that had passed away. And uh, I watched this friend over 30 years endure all kinds of circumstances in life. Everything from physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain, pain of, of, of being um, sick for so long, dealing with physical issues and, and being overwhelmed. I watched this person walk through relational pain of broken relationships where, where people had hurt them and uh, people that they trusted that people had, had hurt them um, in, in multiple ways, and yet there was always a sense of joy in God's presence. And I was, as we were there apart, you know, there were tears that were shed as we thought back. Um, but also there were tears of joy, too, because of their faithfulness that they had stayed to the Father and how gracious that they had been. I want to be that way. You know, the older we get, the more we get to thinking about things that we used to not think that much about. 
and the things that used to matter an awful lot don't matter as much anymore and the things that used to not matter all of a sudden begin to matter just matter a lot what kind of story do you want to one day tell what's at stake everything but see right now regardless of where you've been in the past right now you have the ability to change the trajectory of your life and you know where it begins not just in making a better decision but it begins with making the best decision of all and that's recognizing that you're not large in charge but that Jesus in the graciousness of his love gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins and the greatest decision we can ever make is to recognize our sin to confess that sin and to ask Jesus Christ to be Lord of our life that's the greatest decision that you'll ever make but that's the beginning that's not the ending and if today you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ man I say to you and to even today what is it that keeps you from making the most important decision that you'll ever make right there where you are in your homes or in your car and you're or gathered with a group of people you have the ability to cry out to God and ask him to save you and if that's you man I would love to have for us to be able to engage you in a conversation right there where you are you can just text the word decision to that text three five two three five eight seven 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 zero because we would love to be able to to converse with you further on this this topic of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ as we finish up can I pray with you can I pray with you today father thank you um, for the reading of your word the fact that it's clear and not just clear but it's beneficial Father, I, I recognize today that what feels good, what may look good, may not necessarily be what's right. But when we're at that place of making the most important decisions, whether it be big or small, this is what I pray. I pray that we'd give us wisdom. I pray that we would have courage to know and to do what is right. Father, I pray that you'd help us think beyond the moment to consider the future. Not to just think about that which is temporary, but to think about that which is eternal. Because every day, or every one of us one day are going to look back and we're going to tell a story. The question is, what kind of story do we want to one day look back and, and tell? Father, from this day forward, help us not to look back. Help us to look ahead with the intent of being faithful to you alone. Help us to live thinking about a legacy, a legacy of faith that not only where we're growing and spiritually and sharing life and serving those around us, but Father, we're impacting a world. I'm praying even now for this time of prayer as we begin to assemble next Sunday night at 7 o'clock around campuses around here in Central Florida, and even beyond that, that God, that this would just continue to spread. And just as Brian had said earlier on that video, as students have gathered in prayer for years around a flagpole, that now we as communities would gather around schools 
to pray, recognizing that our school is one of the greatest resources we have in our communities. May we be the church that you've called us to be. May we continue to be faithful. And Father, I look forward to the day that we're able to open up the doors of these buildings that you would protect our people. Father, I pray for those churches that are already gathering in these spaces, Lord, that you would protect them. But help us to continually be reminded that the walls of this building is not the church. Not the church. But we are. May we live for you and be faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.